Hey, you want to go to Las Vegas and come back smarter than ever? Well, that's what's going on with the SBE NS Workshop. It's now part of the NAB show. It's part of their broadcast uh, technical program. And it's a two-day affair uh, on the April 12th and 13th. We got Fred Willard and David Bialik here to talk about what's going on for both TV and radio engineers at the SBE NS Workshop. It's next on Twerk. This Week in Radio Tech is brought to you by Broadcasters General Store with outstanding service, savings, and support online at bgs.cc. By Broadcast Bionics with the Bionics Studio, including talk show control, social media, and visual radio. Broadcast Bionics brings exceptional audience engagement to radio and TV. By Angry Audio. Audio problems disappear when you get angry at angryaudio.com. By Nautel, worry-free transmission you can count on with outstanding control, reliability, efficiencies, and Nautel's unmatched 24-7 customer support online at Nautel.com. And by MaxConnect Wireless, prioritized high-speed Internet service designed for transmitter sites and remote broadcasts. Hey, welcome into This Week in Radio Tech, the show where we talk about everything from the microphone to that light bulb at the top of the tower. That one's from uh, Lula, Georgia. Hey, I'm Kirk Harnack. So glad that you've joined us for This Week in Radio Tech. I'm in my usual uh, spot, and that is the Telos Alliance studio in Nashville, Tennessee, where it's a typical February day. Cloudy, the sun's already just about down, and, and it was kind of chilly today. Uh, maybe the weather be better somewhere else. Hey, next week, by the way, while I'm thinking of it, next week we're going to be live in Birmingham, Alabama, from the Alabama Broadcasters Association Engineering uh, Academy. They're going to teach uh, radio engineering all next week, and we're going to be there on Thursday. So we're going to have some uh, students and teachers there. So it, it's going to be going to be good. We did a show about that uh, a few weeks ago, and now we're actually going to be there and do the show live from uh, from the academy. All right. Now let's get into this show. Uh, Chris Tarr's not here today. He's busy on another project, but that's okay. We've got David Bialik and Fred Willard with us. So let's say hi, first of all, to David Bialik. David, good to see you, friend. Hello, Kirk. How are you? I am good. I'm good. How are you, sir? Do, doing great and uh, looking forward to the upcoming NAB. Yes, and that's what we're going to talk about. Uh, and and it's the uh, it's the well, it's a really couple days of strong uh, teaching. And the topics you guys have done an outstanding job of picking the topics. And we're going to talk about those topics, not just about the fact that you're teaching them or some other people are, are teaching some of the topics, but we'll actually talk about the topics ourselves here somewhat, kind of pass around what we know and maybe come to realize that we, we need to go to school too. Also with us, I'm delighted to bring in Fred Willard. Fred, welcome to the show. Hi. Great to see you again, Kirk. Good to see and, you. Uh, and uh, looking, uh, looking forward to this, uh, this NAB. Good, good new direction I am, for SBE, SBE, uh, well, and, and I want to ask you about that because, Fred, you uh, and, and maybe David, too, but you guys contacted me uh, months ago about uh, being a speaker or joining in with another speaker on your uh, your main track uh, coming up. Now, at, I'll tell you what, let's cover a couple things. Um, the SBE and NAB have joined together to produce a wham-bang, uh, whiz-bang NS workshop. Um, give me some details, uh, dates, and, um, and, and, and the kind of the topic tracks. Uh, who wants to take that question? I'll take it. Um, well, April 12th and 13th, uh, we're going to have a, a two-day NS 
that's going to be a workshop on media over IP. And there's also going to be a parallel Ennis uh, for an RF uh, workshop. But uh, Fred and I are putting together the media over IP uh, curriculum. And it's really been an amazing thing to put together. Um, first off, we found out that we didn't have enough time in the day to cover everything we wanted because there is so much that is media over IP. And mm -hmm. also it's a, it's a pleasure to work with Fred who um, I've worked with for many years um, doing sessions at, with the audio engineering society. And also Fred and I went to college together even. So we've been friends a long time. <laughs> so we've been putting this thing together and, yeah, instead of going to class in college, we were we were dealing with uh, the radio and TV stations at, at American University. What else um, is new? Yeah, would, okay, okay. Yeah. Wait yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, in fact, I didn't do a very good job of introducing you guys. Uh, David Bialik has been on this show, I don't know, a dozen or more times, maybe once each year for the past almost 15 years. Uh, but D David, you have been on the show. You've been affiliated with uh, CBS Radio, with some New York City radio stations, with the uh, streaming services at at CBS Radio, uh, and you, you've, you've worked in the television industry. Um, and so you know, your background is pretty broad. You've also put together a lot of the AES broadcast track, which I understand AES is, is not so much doing anymore. So uh, you're focusing here on this track, uh, on this uh, SBE and its workshop. Have I got that story kind of right? Am I close? Pretty much. I've been on your show since you were, uh, since you were audio only. I was there when you ah, yeah. moved over to video. <laughs> but not as many people know Fred Willard. And uh, I guess I've met Fred a, a time or two, but really got familiar with Fred since uh, he contacted me to invite me to to be a speaker or a co-speaker on a session. So Fred, uh, you're in the television industry. Tell us a little bit about uh, what you're doing and, and why we should listen to Fred Willard. Well, I actually started in radio and I have an audio background mm -hmm. and I'm a real audiophile. I love surround sound and, and movie theaters and, and sound reinforcement. But I and I started in a student radio station in Wharton, Maryland, and that's where, you know, I got the broadcast bug in high school, and I got my first class license in high school working on transmitters. But then uh, eventually, I got into uh, television, which is just radio with pictures, really. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> went, started with uh, Sinclair for a couple of years as a master control director. Worked my way through, done every job in television except for sales and management. So. Uh, and, and Fred has also been uh, the assistant chair of every uh, uh, program that I've done with the Audio Engineering Society for at least the last 10 years. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, Good. Well, you guys have lots of... With, uh, yeah, public TV and five years with NASA, a few years with Harris installing transmitters, and Univision now for 22 years. So oh, wow. I've been around okay. a lot. So Fred's you've been, been at, at Univision... Univision. If you say mas problemo, that's Fred. <laughs> no problemo. Now around for, you, you, you say no hay problemo, no hay problemo. Exactly. Okay, hey, we're, we're and, gonna, gonna hear from. You need to learn more Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna uh, uh, we're gonna hear from Nautel right now for just a minute. They're one of our sponsors, and we'll be back to talk specifically about uh, the topics that are going to be taught in in this media over IP. And I, I got to tell you, one of the one of the classes being taught is, is there a future in media over IP? And I want to hear about that because, you know, I think the answer is 
well, duh. We're going to find out, you know, why that if you're an engineer, you should be putting your efforts into knowing all about this because it is important and it is absolutely your future. Hey, we're brought to you in part by Nautel and Nautel, their Transmission Talk Tuesday programs are starting back up again. But right now we're going to see a real quick video clip from a typical Transmission Talk Tuesday. So how do you pack tools and equipment so you can load it and unload it easily? Uh, what I finally, after a couple of years, what I ended up doing is buying one of those um, those rolling toolkits. You know, they make them, uh, when I happened to guy, it was from um, uh, Home Depot. They make, uh, every every company's got one. I went for the, the most, the lightest, but the most durable. And uh, it's a, it's a three-part box, is the best I can explain it. That it's like on a rack, like a. It looks like a. a I don't know, like a, a, a furniture dolly kind of, you know, black rack. You pull it down like your luggage. So there's a big box at the bottom, then there's a medium-sized box, and then there's a small box on the top. So what I could do is I can, I can sort that so that the bottom box, which has got the wheels and the handle, I fill that up till it's 50 pounds with some of the larger uh, stuff that I need. Then the second box. Uh, the same way and then the top one is typically a lot of smaller things small tools connectors that kind of stuff and then for my purposes what i can do is i can take the the lower box is 50 pounds i take the top two boxes and i strap them together those are 50 pounds those come apart and so then at the airport that i can check those and then i can have a third box um which is typically my uh it's all begun in most cases unless it's just the one here I'll be gone for at least a week. And so that'll be like, I'll have my suitcase, which I'll have some clothes. I put some snacks and food and things like that. And then um, I fill that up the rest with the 50 pounds with other uh, equipment, test equipment or uh, tools and things like that. And then of course you have carry on. So I can carry my laptop and, uh, and, uh, and another carry on bag. And that typically sometimes gets heavy, but it's, it's easy because it's a rolling rack. <sighs> I was wondering if he's going to put some put his underwear in, in one of those. That's uh, Rich Parker, uh, and uh, that's part of the Transmission Talk Tuesday. They got some new Transmission Talk Tuesdays coming up. Finally, finally, uh, Jeff Welton is getting back to work. And the ones that are coming up uh, on February 27th, so that is Tuesday of next week, February 27th. The topic is Nautel at 55. Nautel celebrating 55 years. Uh, Jeff Welton will have some surprise guests as they celebrate this milestone. And then on March 12th, you can go ahead and sign up for both of these. If you go to Nautel.com slash webinars and then click on Transmission Talk Tuesday. March 12th is pretty interesting. The rise of contract engineering groups. And, you know, there are several now, uh, uh, maybe even quite a few that are uh, offering engineering services over a wide area. One of our sponsors, Max Connect Group, is doing that kind of thing. And there are others, too, like InRush. Uh, Paul Stewart is uh, president of Summer, uh, Summit Technology Group. And so there, there's several of them uh, popping up or have been around for a while. Uh, going to be a, a good show. So go to Nautel.com slash webinars and click on Transmission Talk Tuesday. Click on the register for whichever one you want and, uh, and register. It's easy to do. All right. I'm Kirk Harnack in the uh, TELUS Alliance Studio in Nashville, uh, along with David Bialik and Fred Willard. Okay, we're talking about this SBE workshop. It's in Las Vegas. It's just before the NAB, so it's convenient to fly in uh, to Las Vegas and get yourself uh, a couple days of really, really good education. You guys have put together an amazing 
um, and I do mean that sincerely, an, an amazing uh, list of topics and, and speakers. So, um, Dave and Fred, if, if you want to you know, start cover a, a few of these, I'd like to, if you don't mind, I'd love to just at first mention this one uh, that David mentioned to me uh, about um, you know, the importance or the future of, of audio over IP. So maybe, um, uh, who, who was speaking on that, uh, David, was that, uh, all right. His name. Was that, no, it wasn't Ed Martinez. He's speaking on something else. Right. Um, oh, it's, uh, uh Ross media, uh, somebody with Ross media speaking oh, about right. that. that. That's a key. That, yeah. That's our last, that's our, that's our last, uh, it kind of wraps everything together, pulls all the ideas together of, of like it or not, this is where all media is heading. You know, commercial yeah. off the shelf packets. Everything's going to be packets, and yeah, we really have to. We have to <laughs> get used to it and 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 be ready for it. And the sooner more of us know how to manipulate this, the better off we'll be in the industry. You know, I, the, something very topical that happened today, uh, I think a lot of us are aware that something happened with AT&T today. A lot of connectivity was uh, was temporarily lost. I think most people are are back in shape now that, that were disconnected. Uh, there's a, a few, I've heard a few different theories flying around that all seemed reasonably plausible. And, and this is packets. And so one of the knee-jerk reactions we have is, well, see, I, I told you packets are a bad idea. Well, Packets on a nationwide network that is subject to a vulnerability here and there, that might not be something worth relying on all the time. But packets in your own facility where you have control of the equipment, just as much as you would have a cart machine or a VTR, uh, you, you have control over these things. And this technology is really flexible, worthwhile, and worth using. And doesn't, you know, it. in other words, you need to keep you need to understand how to keep your stuff working. Uh, Fred, maybe you could give us a, a comment on that and how it applies in your television area, uh, how important packets are for you guys. Well, not every um, network is gone completely IP, but like it or not, there's Dante, there's uh, the audio and radio end of the industry has been packetized for oh, 10 or 20 years, as you know, with your company. Yeah. And, uh, we're running at least we're running three different um, troubleshooting uh, sessions from basic to the next step to specialized tools for uh, for keeping your audio and video over IP systems running. So uh, mm -hmm. a lot of practical end of this. There'll be a uh, mm -hmm. basics and review at the beginning for people to get them up to speed, and then we'll talk about not just the packets themselves, how to monitor them, the uh, SNMP, uh, how to integrate into uh, 2110 video systems, um, mm -hmm. how we're getting away from hardware and into the cloud, but it doesn't matter. It's still packets. Um, um yeah. You know, David, one thing that that over the years I have kind of learned at Telos Alliance, and you know, it was actually, it was our friend Mike Dosh who really pressed this point home. When we have our good old legacy systems of analog or even AES-EBU digital audio, when we connect one thing to another, we've got the audio. We know nothing about the audio. There's no information that goes along with the audio to tell you about the audio. Okay, AESCBU may tell you the the bit, the you know, the sampling rate and if it's stereo or mono or something else. But when you have analog audio coming out of a computer, the computer knows 
you know, the name of the song, how long it is, how far you're into it, the the, the artist. Uh, it, it, it knows all this information. Uh, if it's a commercial, it knows you know, who the sponsor is and how long the commercial is, uh, and even maybe the the stop date of, of the ad, right? Um, but when you put things in audio over IP, you have the opportunity to know a lot more about that content because the information about the content travels along or it can travel along in the same packet uh, with the content. And that brings us into the world of troubleshooting uh, this. It used to be we could put a butt set across an analog uh, uh, connection and determine is the audio there or not? Is the trouble leaving here or, or, or not? So I believe uh, Ed that? Martinez, <laughs> what, what's that? Yeah, is don't you, miss, you, you, you miss the analog troubleshooting? It was so easy. <laughs> well, yes and no. Yes and no. Uh, sometimes you couldn't be quite sure: am I hearing the trouble here or not? And uh, or you didn't know, especially if RF was creeping in. Oh my goodness! And uh, you know, RF doesn't uh, doesn't affect Ethernet very much. So anyway, tell us about Ed Martinez and what he's going to be teaching uh, in a in a, a troubleshooting uh, session. Okay, Ed Martinez of Stream Guys, an incredibly smart guy. Um, he, I, I was talking to him and I said, I want you to talk about troubleshooting IP. And also, I want people leaving there at least having a beginning primer to using Wireshark and, and tools like that. Because this way, um, nowadays when you do troubleshooting, you have to follow the packets. And this is exactly what he's going to explain and demonstrate because, as you know, I've been involved in streaming for a long time, and we've had to troubleshoot down from the origination point all the way down to the list, to the listener. So um, this is an important skill that's needed by engineers. A lot of engineers don't know how to use it, and it is really important for uh, when people are using uh, a, a uh, system like AES67, Livewire, or any of the others. I don't know if I'm allowed to mention the others on your show, Kirk. But sure, of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, uh, you have to know how to do packet analysis and uh, follow everything. Fred, um, you deal with IP enough. Tell us about, uh, about your feelings about Ed Martinez teaching us how to use Wireshark, because that's something that is, I know it's really valuable to our troubleshooting guys at TELUS Alliance, and I barely know how to use it. I'm not very good with it. Uh, honestly, uh, we've gotten the experts here together. I'm not an expert, but I know uh -huh. all the people that we've pulled together are really the leaders in the industry all the way across the board. And th this session's really about keeping a broadcast or production or or post-production facility going and we're going to touch on streaming because you have to know about where the packets are going and how to pre-prepare for streaming but this is basically about keeping uh, a production television radio station facility going and now what radio stations don't do streaming and what television stations or companies don't have radio it's it's all kind of coming together, whether we like it or not. I'm working on radio again, and I haven't for 30 or 40 years, but it's all coming together, all packets, and that's the way it's going. And, and these people let's face it, in every together. facility, there's internal streams going back and forth. 
at all times. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, you have one to know our, how to uh, utilize them. One of these uh, sessions is about the internal streams, the high quality, uh, low loss, low latency. Uh, streaming is used between facilities across campuses within television networks. And the streaming is so good, it looks like you took a video cable and connected it a thousand miles away with no loss, ah, yeah, with no, yeah. no appear, appear, apparent loss. And we're going to have a whole hey, session uh, about that. One, you know, David, you brought up something a, a couple minutes ago uh, about, you know, the different flavors of, of audio over IP. And, uh, you know, there's Dante, there's AES67, there's Livewire, there's Wheatnet. Um, I, I guess there's, I guess Ravenna is still, still a thing. Um, and you're going to have a session at uh, just after 11 o'clock on Friday called the various flavors of AOIP. And you've actually gotten two competing companies, two uh, directors of engineering to come up and talk about that. One is John Davis from Wheatstone. The other is my colleague, Greg Shea, who's the CTO over at Telos Alliance. And so maybe you could uh, kind of preview what people can learn about, you know, any interoperability, uh, you know, how to use these these different standards, okay. no matter which uh, which one, which system you go with. Well, I've... I've either been blessed or cursed that I've worked in both Livewire and Wheatnet facilities. And uh, having worked in them, I've had to speak to the uh, support departments. And I found that John Davis, uh, he works for Wheatstone, probably the best asset Wheatstone has because a a product is only as good as its support. And uh, Greg Shea, I've known for many years as well. And I said, okay. I want you guys to talk about this. Um, let's face it, we're, we're not doing a, a product uh, competition or anything. We're talking about talking about technology and the implementation. And most companies out there uh, have to work with both companies. And so it's going to be a friendly discussion. It, it's not going to be a bully session where, my system's better than the other. They're going to talk about it. They're going to talk about implementing it. And uh, maybe they'll talk about some of the similarities because let's face it, they both have a foundation in AES 67. Mm-hmm. And uh, Saturday, um, right after lunch, we're going to have the other end of it. Uh, one of our um, local engineers here works with several formats of audio, and he's going to show us what worked, what didn't, how he got the, the various flavors to talk to each other and work with each other. That's Dave Donaldson from uh, Gray Media. He's literally down the street from here in D.C. Oh, now that's interesting. That. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he's, his is entitled Report from the Field, Lessons Learned Building IP Islands. Now, he's in, in the television industry. So, uh, you know, I, we've been doing AOIP for radio for a long time. I think we kind of have all that pretty well figured out but tv still has a few growing pains and some interoperability pains doesn't it exactly yep (laughs) including in the um in the communications world because that's not standardized Uh yet and you're going to be talking about that in a session too so uh from telephone hybrids to uh wide area uh comm systems to small systems uh you and um one of your colleagues yeah, Martin, Martin Deister. Deister. From, yeah, from from yeah. UK, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yes, he has that lovely British accent, so he sounds very intelligent. He'll he'll tell you he's not that smart, but he sure sounds smart. 
<laughs> so, hey, Eric, you uh, just Frank, what, about one of your superiors throughout the internet. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, uh, Fred Willard is with us here. So is David Bialik. We're talking about the upcoming SBE NS workshop, and this is it's a very serious two day workshop. There's a track for RF, and there's a track for media over IP, and we're talking about the media over IP track. And I'm man, the the topics are. I mean, they're not just touching on this and touching on that, and none of this is throwaway. This is all really good stuff. Our show is brought to you in part by Broadcast Bionics, uh, makers of an amazing array of software and hardware solutions to make uh, radio broadcasting fun and to get more content out of what you're already doing. Let's hear from Broadcast Bionics. We'll be right back. Welcome to the Bionic Studio. The Bionic Studio brings all audience interaction to the fingertips of a production team in radio, TV and podcast. Our workflow-led system is working 24-7 around the world for small broadcasters and national and international networks. Our telephony module, Bionic Talk Show, allows cost-effective centralization, remote operation, scalability and resilience across an entire network of stations, but at the same time is used in single studio self-op environments. Social media curation and activity is now considered a broadcast critical part of programming. Bionic Social means the studio isn't overwhelmed with a wall of interaction from an ever-growing number of social platforms. We combine SMS, MMS and email together with a speech-to-text service for listeners using smart speakers. We enable studio teams to curate, filter and display all platforms in one place and post text, images and video content to multiple platforms in one operation. Effortless collection of video content with Bionic Director has helped position some of the world's most successful stations as leaders in viral content, generating appointments to listen and free marketing via retweets and shares. Bionic Contest enables end-to-end -end tracking of on-air competitions, live reads and prizes. These could be on-air contests, automated SMS entry or online. Anywhere and Skype TX for Radio brings high quality audio and video contribution into the studio with ease. No need for dedicated PCs to run different applications. Everything is controlled within the Bionic Studio UI and incoming connections are visible to users along with all other platforms. Our codec integration enables connection, algorithm configuration and directory to a wide range of IP and ISDN codecs. The Bionic Studio, a unique suite of products designed to enable your talent to work smarter. The Bionic Studio from Broadcast Bionics at bionics.co.uk. Of course, we'll have a link in the show notes, and I really appreciate their sponsorship. They make some cool stuff. So thanks to Dan McQuillan. And you know, the, the one of their latest developments is that virtual rack, and we talk about that every, every other week or so here about how they help you virtualize your broadcast infrastructure. It's This Week in Radio Tech. I'm Kirk Harnack. David Bialik is here, and so is Fred Willard. And we're talking about this SBE NS workshop. And, you know, not that any SBE workshop has ever been throwaway. And, and I, I want to really point out that uh, the sessions being put together, here, these are not dog and pony shows. These are not sales presentations. These are very serious uh, technical discussions and technical uh, educational sessions by the people who really know their stuff. Now, oftentimes, 
that's people who work in the industry, people who work at manufacturers who are developing and, and putting to use the technologies. So I'll tell you, and speaking just for myself, Greg Shea, who's the CTO of my employer, Telos Alliance, man, when you hear this guy talk, you learn a lot of stuff. He'll he'll give you the backstory about how things got developed. Uh, and it's always terribly, terribly interesting. So uh, David and Fred, let's see, what uh, what area are we wanting to hit? Kirk? Next, yeah. Kirk, I want to add on what you said because um, the way that Fred and I put together the sessions, um, we have, we're introducing topics and we're giving enough of a flavor that people should be interested. And the true meaning of an engineer, they don't have to, an engineer does not have to know everything, but you have to know where to get your answers. And you also know how to base your questions. And we're hoping that people will leave this wanting to know more because you're not going to come out of this with a big broadcasting uh, degree, but you might come out and say, hey, I want to learn a little about 2110. Hey, I want to lear learn a, a little more about Livewire or something. They'll, they'll come out wanting to know more. And that's, that, that's when we think we've got a success. So um, let me mention uh, another topic or, or another session um, that, that you mentioned, uh, David, to me uh, earlier today, and that was this one with Andy Butler. Now, it's, it's about IPv4 and IPv6, you know, getting some basics together that, and I think, you know, most of us probably know about IPv4. We've, we tend to use that day in, day out in our jobs, although there's still a couple of mysteries to me about how come this works when I do this and how come it doesn't work when I do that. But Andy's going to bring this into, uh, going to explain this in the IPv6 world. And we're going to have to deal with that. We, it, it seems like that can's been getting kicked down the road quite a bit, but, uh, in, in, in many ways it's, it's coming upon us. So, uh, Fred or, or David, who would like to talk about Andy Butler and, and his, uh, his opening session? Well, well, the Andy first thing is, is kickstart. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Andy and I are old friends and I told him I wanted him to do this. And he said, absolutely. Um, Andy is also a former president of the SBE and former executive director of the SBE, but he's now, um, the director of engineering of, uh, PBS. Andy knows his stuff, and um, the the beauty about Andy is he can take the most complicated thing and make it sound simple. So I said, mm. Andy, I want you to discuss this, and he agreed. And if you know Andy, you'll you'll understand what I mean that he can make anything sound simple. Uh, and we put yeah, him first for, you, you, in order. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we put him first. So that people that don't have a strong background in IP will get up to speed, and we'll get this program because this is the foundation of media over IP. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and to me, learning about oh, and he's going to cover multicast. So that is a, a real key thing in media over IP, as opposed to any other thing that we do in IP. Uh, you know, we don't use multicast in emails or FTPs or th things like that. We even don't use multicast in most streaming uh, stuff because that you know, consumer streaming that's typically one to one. It's typically not multicast. But when we're doing uh, media in the broadcast plant, typically, not always, but typically we're using multicast to get that. Done. And Andy's going to give us some great insights uh, on, on, on that topic. So I, I'm looking forward to that. Um, you guys have used a word here that 
I'm not sure I know what it means uh, in, 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 in your syllabus uh, in, in the program. And that is the word taxonomy. Taxonomy. What, <laughs> what, what is that? And it sounds like something okay. I want to know about because of what coming later on in the sentence, the taxonomy of audio codex. What, what, what's that? We, we have J.J. Johnson doing the taxonomy of audio codex. Now, you have to understand J.J. J.J. and Karl-Heinz Brandenburg uh, 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 worked together. J.J. was on the AT&T side while Karl-Heinz Brandenburg was on the Fraunhofer side, and they developed the MP3 codec, okay? Um, mm -hmm. So... Despite popular belief, Telos didn't invent it, uh, Kirk. No, no, no. We, we were just the first customer. Telos was the first paying customer. <laughs> yeah, so J, JJ is a wealth of knowledge. Um, again, he, he's another longtime friend of mine. I've probably known J, JJ for around 25 years or 30 years. And he's going to explain what a codec is all the different flavors of a codec and really dissect because you you know there's different types of codecs whether it's a transport codec or or uh oh you, you know the different types i'm i'm not qualified to do this talk jj is and mm -hmm. you're not going to get lost in in his conversation that's one thing that of all the speakers we have, I don't think we have anyone where we're going to say, oh, my God, we're going to get lost and uh, we're going to lose the audience. No, all of these people will be, um, uh, will be able to keep everybody's attention span. And um, I, I can't say enough about JJ, and I can't say enough about all of our speakers. You, you, if you don't walk out of our sessions learning something, there's something wrong. <laughs> and that's why we brought um, your colleague, Mr. Deister, in at the beginning, because he's a uh, perfect uh, host to get this thing going. And Fred, uh, Kirk, uh, yeah. I, yeah. as you know, anytime we've put stuff together, Fred or I, we have a code that we want discussions of technology and technique, not sales presentations. Sorry to sure. you, the salesman, yeah. but yeah. Uh, my feeling is that we're we're doing this to uh, spread the spread the knowledge, and and we also want to learn something. And I think Fred will agree with me. We don't put together something we don't want to attend. Mm -hmm. there, there's um, that's there's part of the NS Foundation. That's part of the NS Foundation uh, idea and background. Uh, it's 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 strictly a nonprofit division of SBE for education. And you know how Dennis uh, wrote most of the books uh, uh, for, uh, for when we were all studying this. I, I want to talk a bit about uh, radio engineers moving into television. And so th this whole track, Media Over IP, includes audio and, and, and audio-only applications, but also video, which probably includes audio applications. And I know we've got a few sessions, Fred, uh, about um, SMPTE 2110 and making things work with SMPTE 2110. Maybe you could uh, talk to me about, about a couple of these. I noticed um, oh, there's this, well, first of all, we start out with uh, John, is it, is it Mayhot? Mayo? Mayhot. That's what with, I was uh, going to talk about next. He's the equivalent yeah, of, yeah. of JJ. He's the equi video equivalent of JJ in video. 
He worked for um, Harris uh, Lucent Technologies, AT&T, in building the original video codecs back in the 80s and 90s. Uh, so mm. there's nobody really that I can think of that's more cognizant of how uh, video encoding and, and packetization works. He's probably the preeminent guy in the, in the world. And uh, SMPTE 2110 has its subsets, like 2110-30, that includes audio. So audio is a part of SMPTE 2110. And uh, a lot of what people are going to be getting into now, even in radio, there are, there, there are 2110 plants uh, that are radio stations going now into streaming. Many radio stations, a good portion of their output now includes video. Mm -hmm. So John's going to be introducing us to uh, 2110, the, the, that set of standards and its subset. I mean, in the audio world, we always talk about 2110-30, and I think there's been some some new additions onto that. So John's going to introduce right. us to the whole you know the whole thing and then talk about some of the subsets so we can all kind of kind of get on the same uh, the same page there but after John talks and by the way I just remembered I believe I have interviewed John not on twert but on an SBE webcast because I, I know John and I have talked for about an hour so I think it was on an SBE mm -hmm. webcast that we did that but then you've got uh, uh, you've got uh, Jim Bean and Nick Kumar uh, from uh, Fox television. And advanced systems group talking about uh, a greenfield 2110 facility uh building it out what what, what does that mean uh fred first of all i want to introduce jim b and uh dave jim and i are all class of 84 mm -hmm. from uh, american university he was literally across the hall from me in the dorm and one day i said hey we're building this student tv station you want to come by and he said sure i got nothing to do and I brought him in, and, and he's been in television ever since, so I'm guilty of bringing him into TV. <laughs> Anyhow, he's the chief engineer for Fox uh, DC, mm -hmm. uh, and I was the chief engineer here in DC for Univision for 20 years. Now I'm just doing special projects and RF, semi-retired. Anyhow, Jim Bean built a facility from the ground up, just bare walls, and he was able to do it however he wanted, and it was built all IP, 2110, all audio over IP, no uh, analog except maybe to the microphones or speakers themselves. Yeah. So he's going to talk about if you can start from scratch, you don't have any legacy systems, how would you build it? How can you save money? Um, how do you set up the network topology? Um, what do you need? What's, what's the footprint? Um, where do you have to expand? Uh, how do you uh, monitor it? How do you keep it running? Uh, so he's going to show how it was actually done. He's going to show pictures of the progression of the building of the facility. Yeah, cool. and, and Nick Kumar is uh, from uh, Diversified, I or was working with Diversified when they when they did the project. Uh, so and. When when we called Jim and I said this is where we're going to uh, do what we're going to do and where who you're going to be speaking, his first statement was, "Oh my God, I'm right after Mayot." <laughs> <So>. <laughs> gotcha. Oh, uh, 
by the way, there's a there's another session right after that one, and it's it's uh, it's what a situation that so many television engineers find themselves in, and that's having to live in both worlds in the world of SDI, like they've had for you know, a couple of decades now, and then twenty one ten. They may have some twenty one ten installation going on. So uh, Steve Holmes um, with uh, Leader is going to be talking about day-to-day operation in the hybrid world of these two things as you make a lengthy transition. That should be uh, interesting, too. It's kind of hard to live in two worlds, or it can be. Well, it pertains to about 95% of of the people that are going to be coming to this session because almost every station has built-in legacy infrastructure, and they are building 2110 uh, extensions, islands. Of course, the idea is to get finally to 2110, but it doesn't make sense to tear out your whole facility. Not, Not many people could do that. So we're going to have to live with even some analog, some digital, uh, some 2110, and there'll even be some progression into the cloud, which are later sessions, which we'll talk about. But um, Some of us have to be analog men in a digital world. Yeah. (laughs) And he's going to talk about how to use instruments to make measurements, uh, losses, packet losses, uh, uh, how to transcode, how to packetize, um, kind of a, what a real, like a sports facility or something would run mm-hmm. into in real life and how to troubleshoot, find problems. That's basically what that session's about. Gotcha. Hey, we're talking to David Bialik and Fred Willard on This Week in Radio Tech. I'm Kirk Harnack. We're talking about the SBE Ennis Workshop. This is actually, you might call it a premier learning event in the broadcast industry for broadcast engineers. I'm going to be there uh, in Las Vegas. I hope you're going to be there too. Hey, honestly, even if you're not going to NAB itself, uh, th- well, this is part of NAB, but even if you're not going to the show, uh, if you can't take much that's time off work, this is really worthwhile to go to for continuing continuing education and broadening horizons and, you know, increasing your own employment opportunities by getting your foot in the door and getting to understand a lot of these different applications of technologies. Our show is brought to you in part uh, by Broadcasters General Store and by one of their amazing manufacturers. You know them and love them. It's Hank Landsberg of Henry Engineering. And Hank does so many things. And you've heard me talk for the last few months, uh, you know, every four weeks, I get to talk about Hank Landsberg. And that's about this this little product he has called the Back UPS. Once again, once again, Back UPS saved my bacon uh, at one of my transmitter sites because of a another failed UPS. You know, they should just call it the uh, UPS failure management. It's what they should call this thing. The back UPS from Henry Engineering. Uh, here's what's cool about this. It, it's it's now it, This is not a whole facility solution. Obviously, it's just, it's one little box. And it, it's for either uh, a rack or part of a rack. And here's how I think about it. it, it well, it's got two AC power inputs and one AC power output. Okay, the one of power output is on a duplex plug, but it's one power output. And all it does, all it does is it smartly switches between the normal uh, UPS input and the the uh, the shore power, if you will, the, the un-UPS line input, or maybe it's a different UPS, whatever you want to feed into it. The point is, sometimes you got to service that UPS. Sometimes, if you're like me and most engineers, you've had a UPS failure. And... I use this on my equipment 
that doesn't have two power supplies. So I've got a rack of gear at one of my transmitter sites where we, we have put in a back UPS uh, last summer, and I've got a number of automation computers and some other important gear uh, like the EAS gear and uh, uh, you know things like some some uh, uh, Telos X nodes from, from from Axia things like that that only have one power supply. Yeah, I know the X node can be powered off PoE, but I don't have PoE out there. So point is, we got some things that have one power connection, and those things, sure. I could plug them just into the UPS, but what, what happens when the UPS fails? As it has a couple times now. Um, so you plug it in the back UPS, and the back UPS will automatically flip over to shore power, commercial power, uh, when the UPS is not present. And that has super saved our bacon. Uh, you can set some parameters on it. Uh, it's got different modes, but you can set parameters as far as the delay time when it comes back on, because you don't want the thing there, you know, flipping between these two things. That could be hard on, on the gear, too. Um, so it, you can put a, put a delay time where you're sure, it's sure that you have good UPS, and uh, then it can flip back to the, to the UPS. Love this little box from Henry Engineering. And I know, you know, you can buy bigger commercial, uh, not commercial, but bigger, more powerful versions of this from the various UPS manufacturers because they know their boxes are going to fail too. So <laughs> I like the one from Henry. Uh, Henry supports the broadcast engineering community. It's right-sized for so many applications. I've got about four computers and a couple of uh, lower power devices on mine. It's under 15 amps of draw, and that's the, the limit on the back UPS. So check it out. Love this thing from Henry Engineering and Broadcasters General Store. You can go to their website at bgs.cc. You can give them a call because they're, they're built for calls. They love to talk to you on the phone. Give them a call. You'll probably get somebody right away. The chances of you getting uh, you know, a voicemail are pretty slim because they make sure that a lot of people are ready to answer your call at 352-622-7700. That's 352-622-7700. Thanks a lot, Broadcaster General Store sponsoring this week in Radio Tech. Love you guys. Okay, um, we're here with David Bialik and Fred Willard. We're talking about the SBE Ennis Workshop. Just to be clear, there are two simultaneous uh, workshop tracks going on over two days. And one of those is about RF. It's called uh, RF 101 Bootcamp. And uh, I think I'm gonna, I'm, uh, people like Carl Lamb are going to be there, uh, Kevin Trueblood, Greg Buckwald, um, uh, boy, lots of uh, Josh Bone is going to be speaking there. He's one of our sponsors. Then there's this other track that we're talking about, and that's Media Over IP. And it's perfectly applicable to radio and to television. In fact, some sessions are, are geared, you know, pretty specifically to one or the other. And we're kind of getting into day two here of the Media Over IP um, uh, Essentials program, talking to Fred and David about this. Um, let's see, what what would you like to hit next, David? What's what's happening on day two that you're particularly excited about? Well, um, we got Greg Oganowski talking about media streaming basics. Oh, yeah. Uh, Greg is probably one of the most knowledgeable people there is about streaming. But, and he's also one of the hardest people you can get to just stay focused on one topic. Uh, but he, he's going to be doing the, this uh, talk on media streaming basics. And I'm really looking forward to it because the man's a streaming encyclopedia. And then right after that, oh, we have Andrew Osmond talking about a production quality streaming because a lot of people don't even know what WebRTC is and how important that is because that's how a lot of stations are doing their point-to-point -point, uh, 
uh, what is it? Uh, uh, it's the RPU nowadays. It's the mm-hmm. uh, yeah. We we use uh, it to. to um, we we run live from several locations in the country, and the quality of the stream is so good with such low latency that you would think that the people that are doing the weather in Houston are literally in D.C. Hmm. But they're not. But the quality is so good, you can't tell. So that that type of streaming, internal streaming, high-quality streaming, low latency, uh, 422, if you're familiar with those subjects, um, not consumer streaming. In other words, the professional end of streaming that really would only pertain to people in the industry, not consumers. And I did want to mention one more thing that we're covering a lot of audio here. And uh, we want to say that for video engineers and video facilities, audio is something that is probably not paid attention to as much as it should be. So we have a number of sessions on audio quality, uh, loudness, um, the streaming. It's real important to know where your audio is going and what you have to do to make it sound good when it goes to the consumer. So we have um, not just internal, but uh, sessions about what happens to your signal when it gets out of your facility. Yeah, and there's something else going on the second day that I'm really excited about because I haven't done it much and I really need to learn how to do it better. We're gonna we're gonna have uh, Javid Butler uh, in to talk about um, working with fiber optics, and actually he's actually gonna show us how to splice fiber. And I know oh. I'm really I, I'm I haven't done it much. I want to see this. Um, Fred and I have arranged to have him come. He's going to have a special camera there that people can actually see as he does it there. And uh, he he really knows this stuff. He just did the fiber uh, optic display at uh, uh, MetLife Stadium. So the guy knows his stuff. So that's going to be really interesting. And to have go you seen with that big Fred, spear? Yeah. Yeah. At Las Vegas, he was involved with the lighting of that. Oh, wow. Yeah. And to go back to what Fred was saying about the importance of audio, I'm going to quote our good uh, past friend, uh, um, Chris Tobin, may he rest in peace. He used to always say, uh, 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 video without uh, audio is, is just surveillance. So need- <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. true. Or, uh, or as Tomlinson Holman says, uh, it's fifty-five percent of the signal. That's more yeah, than half. Uh, so, uh, you, and it's audio is important because remember years ago, uh, Kirk. I know you you remember. Uh, we would listen to the radio. We didn't care if there was static or anything. If we were hearing the mystery theater, we would, as long as it was clear. If television yeah. was on, we didn't care if it was snowy. We, mm-hmm. we, we only cared about the audio and hearing it. And guess what? Mm-hmm. The audience will still stay if the audio is good and the picture isn't. But if the picture is right. uh, uh, good and the audio isn't, people are going to turn it off. They turn it off. and. Uh... A lot of people don't understand the uh, nuance of human hearing and distortion. Uh, people just literally tune messages out if it's distorted. They won't listen. 
And uh, we're actually going to talk a little bit about that. And, I, and video engineers need to know that. And uh, a As does television every station married man has, knows about yeah. the, uh, ignoring the message. <laughs> right. <laughs> As Jim Starzynski from NBC would say, you know, if your audio is not up to par in your television station, your 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 audience is not going to be there. Yeah, you know, it's it's annoying to have to work hard to to understand something. Whereas if if it's easy to understand, then your your brain doesn't have to work as hard to to understand what's going on. Uh, and improper mm -hmm. use of audio codecs can can contribute to that certainly, uh, especially when you start out Absolutely. with bad audio and then and then you try to code bad audio, you end up with uh, you know with uh, as some people would say a, a real real dog pile. Um, later on the second day. I know so much has been said about about cloud production, and uh, you know the company I work for, we can put products in the cloud, and certainly people are using products in the cloud. Um, there is certainly expense to that, but uh, Noor Hassan and Jonathan Solomon uh, with Amazon Web Services, and well, actually both with Amazon Web Services, going to be talking about media over IP in the cloud, and some of the best ways to to get that done. I want to point out that you know sometimes this. Um, this there are places where it's almost essential to get something done getting it done in the cloud is a great way to do it but it's not a panacea there's there's places where you just need to do it yourself do it in your own data center or do it in a nearby rented data center or something like that but it's going to be interesting to find out what they have to say about what are the benefits and advantages and how do you use you know just this other tool it's a big tool but how do you use this other tool in in the toolbox what do you gentlemen know about about that session coming up it's well, not hardware. That's all I know. Uh, I'm going to learn as much as you as you're going to. We don't use it in our company. We're looking at it, um, we, but you know we're very conservative. We haven't gotten into it. But many of our competitors have been doing it for years. Uh, Discovery, I believe, their whole master control has been in the cloud for several years now. So it, it's it's accepted technology, and if it works for your company uh, financially. It's something you need to know. Uh, more and I'm more amazed, companies are going toward it. I'm amazed by the uh, uh, the low latency in, involved in it and hmm. uh, that it works. And I, I have used it. And uh, I'm ho I'm hoping to learn a little more about it because it's where, where the industry is going. Um, we're not going to see ra radio and television stations with large libraries anymore. We're not going to see master controls anymore. Uh, I think the pandemic basically uh, mandated from now on uh, as many jobs that can be done remotely will be done remotely, and that, that's the opening of the cloud. Mm -hmm. It does also allow you to do more. Like if you're in doing sports, it allows you to do more venues because you don't have to set up switchers and all you need are cameras and your switcher is basically wherever in the world you want it to be. Uh, and I've seen it in operation and there's no latency. It's just as if you were punch the button in the truck and it, but it's happening in the cloud and yeah. Yeah. Along with PTP and the, and the, the throughput and the quality of service of the streams, it's almost, you know, as far as the consumer is concerned, they would never know. So I'm going to learn oh, something right. on yeah. this too. Yeah. 
a, a couple of events come to mind uh, uh, back, what, what was it, a year ago or so when the Queen of England passed away, um, the coverage of her funeral. One of the networks uh, was doing all the media production in the cloud. Uh, and the only reason I know about that is because uh, uh, Telos Alliance was tapped to provide intercom services for that. And that were, that were those were cloud-based. Um, plus, then when they had the coronation of the king in England, uh, that was also, at least by one network, handled through cloud production. Um, there's some uh, car racing. I don't know if I'm supposed to say who, which one, but uh, there's some uh, there's some car racing. And if you might have the right formula, uh, <laughs> you might guess which one it is. And, and they do a lot of their production uh, either either in the cloud or they use some cloud services to to get that done. And, uh, and it, it brought to mind that one of the benefits of the cloud that I'm sure that these guys from AWS will bring up is um, as something you alluded to, Fred, is that you 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 can maybe you can afford uh, more stuff, more production facility if you rent it in the cloud uh, for some period of time rather than own the, rather than own it. Right. Uh, hey, a friend of mine. Uh, uh, well, he recently sold it, but uh, had a company with like eight television trucks uh, here in, in, in the Nashville area. And a lot of money tied up in, in those television trucks. So uh, being able to move some of that production into something that you can rent and just pay for when you use it, that's an interesting uh, benefit for people who may not be producing stuff all the time. And then there's small networks there. I think we're about to do a story about um, a, a chess TV channel that they handle their production in, in the cloud. And one more, and I, I don't mean to hog the whole segment here, but uh, one more thing, like we're producing this show right Right now, uh, this is not well. We're using a little bit of cloud facility, but for the most part, we're using equipment that is at the office where our producer Suncast is, and he's got equipment there handling it. But on the rare occasion where I'm tapped to produce the show myself, either Suncast isn't available, or typically we're doing it at an odd time, uh, or we need to have uh, more people on the show. Um, I use a cloud-based service when I produce the show, and um, uh, and so it's, it's there, you know, there's a place for both, I guess, is, is my point. And it's important that we as engineers know all about what's available from the cloud so that when we can recommend that to our employer or if we're told to deal with it, you know, we have a much better chance of dealing with it if we know all about it. Agreed? There is one thing I'd like to yeah. bring up on this. It is not an expensive uh, program. This is $259 for two full days. And it includes breakfast and lunch both days. So we're basically breaking even, if you know what things cost <laughs> in Las Vegas. So uh, we're really bringing this as a service to, to engineers that, you know, if they're not sure they'd want to do it or not, we're trying to make it as affordable as we can. Um, and a lot of companies, if you check into it, like I know my own company, and I know of a few others, they do uh, help with education. You'll get a, You'll get a certificate at the end of this uh, to show that you that you attended, and some companies will assist with uh, with education. So do look into that. Tell and you if what, you're on your own, it is tax deductible. Ah, yeah. Uh, we're going to provide the link 
to uh, register for this. It is, uh, it's under the auspices of the NAB overall, even though SBE is producing uh, the NS workshop. Uh, so you register at NAB show, um, and I'll, I'll get a link for that in, in the show notes so you can find it more easily. And uh, like Fred said, it's uh, $259, and that includes uh, a total of four meals. Uh, so you're, you're saving that. We're going to save a hundred bucks right there. Uh, it it also gets you a, uh, it gets you a, um, an exhibits only pass. And if you're interested in full conference in all of the sessions, it gives you a $150 discount off of that. Um, oh, but it is possible okay. to register just for Ennis at 259 and you do not have to be full conference like you would have been in past. So it's actually oh. much cheaper. It's much cheaper than it ever has been. Yeah. So keep yeah. that in mind. It's literally only $259 if you just want to do this. And where else in person can you meet both Kirk Harnack and Fred Willard in person? <laughs> oh. That that and 20 bucks and I'll buy you a cup of coffee. So how about that? It's this weekend in radio Kirk <laughs> Yeah. There, there is something that Martin Dykstra is going to be doing the keynote on Friday morning, uh-huh. and uh, Bob Orban will be doing a keynote on Saturday morning, and so you're you're going to be hearing from a lot of people that are really knowledgeable, and you're going to learn something. You're not going to walk out of the uh, of this and say, "Why was I here?" You're going to say, "Wow!" And and um, we have a lot of breaks. So you're going to be able to. Pull these people aside and bring your high-level questions to them, and these people know what they're doing. Believe me, these are the these are the industry experts, the world industry experts in uh, in media and broadcast. We're very hey, we lucky take a, to have this group of people. We, we got to take a quick break. When we come back, we got one more quick word about uh, Gary and Cindy Cavell and uh, a session that they're doing. Which honestly, that could what what you learn from that. Um, easily could result in you making back the cost of going many times over. And and we'll we'll give you more on that in just a minute. I'm Kirk Harnack. It's This Week in Radio Tech. And I got a couple things I want to I, I tell you about. Chris uh, Tar isn't here, but I am. And I want to tell you about this thing that has, I know I talk about things that save my bacon, right? I, I, I'm saving a lot of bacon, if you can understand that. This is the USB analog audio gizmo from Angry Audio. And let me show you, if you're an engineer, you can figure this out. It has a USB connection right here, all right? And then it has, they look like Ethernet, but they're not. They're Studio Hub connections. So you just plug Studio Hub cables in there. Uh, th- this, this is, Look, this is a sound card. But this is the sound card that you want if you're doing professional audio. Yes, there's plenty of sound cards out there. And yes, they're okay if you want to plug a mic into one and go into your laptop. But if you need pro-quality audio with an extremely low noise floor, a a big headroom, plenty of headroom, professional balanced inputs and outputs – that's what this gives you. This connects to your to your computer and gives you fully balanced inputs and outputs. Um, and I got to tell you, the noise floor is just way down there because so many times, and I've it's happened to me over and over again. You get buzz or hum or whine in your audio from an external USB sound card, uh, or even from the, the connections on the computer itself, uh, because these things are not built all that professionally, in, unless you buy one from Angry Audio, where it is designed to be quiet. 
and to be distortion free and to just to just work absolutely perfectly. So here at my lab, uh, I actually was having trouble with an input and output on on a computer that I was going to feed into uh, into an Axia network uh, via analog, because that was just the easy way to do it at the moment. And the cheapo USB interface that I had, it, it was, no, I, no, it was no good. I thought, oh, wait a minute, I've got the perfect thing, I've got this. So I brought it out, plugged it in, I mean, in, in a minute and a half later, I had perfect audio. So this this and other uh, devices from Angry Audio will absolutely get the job done in broadcast. By the way, this thing's heavy. I mean, not that that makes a big difference, but it's well built. It's heavy. Uh, it. I don't know what Catfish is designed with the grounding in here. He explained it to me one day, and I could probably you know repeat it for about five minutes, and then I you know pretty well forgot it. Uh, but there's a lot of thought that goes into making this trouble free and noise free and. So that's what you're getting when you buy this. You're getting the thought and the design that has gone into it. Check it out at the uh, Angry Audio website, angryaudio.com. By the way, if you need any uh, accessories from Studio Hub, they have those too. Oh, and by the way, this comes with the cables you need. It comes with like, you know, 50 bucks worth of cables, uh, the Audio Gazenta and Gazauta, and also the uh, USB cable, high-quality USB cable. So it comes with what you need. Thanks a lot, Angry Audio, for sponsoring this week in Radio Tech. Our other sponsor of this break is Max Connect Wireless. And uh, uh, Suncast, we got a, anything you want to show from Max Connect? Oh yeah, the U one ninety two. We were talking about this uh, just this week um, at, uh, at at Telos Alliance and and with some other people. Um, the, if you want to use one of these um, audio processors for FM that runs on a PC, or maybe even uh, coming soon to a theater near you, runs as a Docker container, you're going to want to be able to get that audio uh, out of the computer and get it into the MPX format. Well, that's a little tricky to do. Yes, you can use some of just a few sound cards that will sample at 192 kilohertz and give you a somewhat reasonable output. But I'll tell you what, they're, they're a little finicky. And if, and if there's a capacitor in the way, eh -eh, that, that's no good. Um, and also they're usually coming out of an RCA connector and that just doesn't feel right. The U192 is it, well, under the direction of Max Connect. It was designed by Angry Audio and it gives you a beautiful multiplex analog output, uh, and this is still the most common way to hook up uh, an FM exciter, and, 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 and so it comes out of your PC running Stereo Tool or Omnia SST or Breakaway One, comes out of that, and USB into this box, the U192, and then gives you a beautiful, clean MPX output, and it is so amazing. Uh, it also has um, the uh, AES-EBU at 192 kilohertz sampling. It's got that output as well, if your exciter can take that. Um, this is a great box. It is uh, Its power supply is internal, and uh, it's well-made. It, you, you'll you pick it up, you feel it, you think, oh, well. This is not a cheap plastic box. This is well-made. Look at the screws on it. If you're watching this on video, uh, it, it is well-shielded for RF environments. So you ought to check this thing out. From Max Connect Wireless, the Max Connect Broadcast U192 MPX sound card. There are more and more stations getting this on the air because sometimes, hey, doing FM processing on a PC or maybe in Linux is the right thing to do, and it works well. Hey, we've just got another couple of minutes here left, and I want to uh, ask uh, David Bialik and Fred Willard about this last session 
with uh, Cindy Cavell and Gary Cavell. Tell me about uh, this and, and how it can really make you a better, a better engineer with a lot more stature. What's going on here? That's well, the at the end of the day, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the management truck. If you can't explain what you're doing to management and explain what, why what you're doing is important, mm -hmm. how is it going to help your career? You know, it, it, it's yeah, a, if you can't defend, way, defend why, it, yeah. it, it's your – why, why do I right need to now, spend this money? Broadcast engineers are right now are fighting for their existence. And management has to understand why they need. You have to explain why they need you. It's, it shouldn't be that you need them, but why they need you. So the the uh, uh, topic is how to talk like a manager. And I'm sorry, I, I looked right over his name. I don't know why. In in addition to Gary and Cindy Cavell, uh, who've been guests on this show, they're just terrific people and high level engineers. But also Kevin Trueblood uh, is going to be on the show as uh, on that topic as well. He's the associate general manager for technology and operations at WGCU uh, at Florida Coast University, uh, Florida Gulf Coast. University. So these are three people who are very well versed in speaking to owners and managers and being part of the management team. And so as an engineer, hey, a lot of us got into engineering because, well, maybe we just weren't that interested in talking to people. Right, that we and more and more interested in talking to machines, cart machines especially. Love those things, but uh, we need to be able to speak like a member of the management team and 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 uh, show why our contributions were not just a money pit. Uh, we can be a source of income, a source of saving money, and and a, a real source of strategic uh, planning going forward in in a broadcast facility. Uh, Fred, am, am I have I got that kind of close to the right description? Yeah, return on investment. Uh, mm. Yes, we can put this remote for you together for you, and the community will the ratings will go up. This type of thing. You need to be able to not only justify your existence, but show how engineering can be part of the management team and the ability to grow the station or grow the facility. Gotcha. Gotcha. David, any last comment from you about this? We'll have a link in the show notes to register, but people can also go to nabshow.com and find it there or the SBE website. Look for the, uh, the, the NS Workshop. Do what I did. Just you know, Google SBE NAB 2024, and you'll, you'll get some links there too. Well, someone was asking me today why media over IP is important, and I said to them, this is the wave of the future. In the old days, we'd go to Radio Shack, get our parts, and fix things. Guess what? There's no Radio Shack anymore. Where are we going to get our cables? We're going to go into Staples. We They already have the RJ45s on them, and the, we have to work with that. And that, that, that should say a lot right there. Good deal. All right. It's the SB Ennis Workshop at, uh, at, at the NAB it, coming up in April. Get registered for it, $259, and it includes four meals, four. Um, and we'll have a link in, in the show notes. Hey, uh, Fred Willard, thank you so much for being with us. I appreciate you, and, and especially you putting this together along with David Bialik. Thank you for being with us, too, David. Thanks. Thank you. All right. We look forward to uh, you. Yeah, I look forward to seeing you, too, and look forward to doing a little speaking there myself. Hey, uh, Suncast, thank you for producing today's show. Another great job. I appreciate you very much. And we will uh, see you next week on This Week in Radio Tech. Bye-bye.